بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد أبرادنا سيستس بفور وي جو انتو دي لسن تودي which is a continuation of the story of another one of the great Sahaba of Rasulullah Sayyidina Abdullah bin Hudhafa al-Sahmi Before I go in there, let me just share with you some thoughts which I think are important. The whole purpose of uh, all of these uh, reminders and so on and so forth is to remind us about the importance of the Akhirah and to enable us to evaluate every action in the context of how it is likely to affect our Akhirah. The way I like to look at it is that if there is an opportunity to pray Salah by Jama'ah in the Masjid, and I don't do that, and I die. Then when I am resurrected before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this one salah by jama'ah in the masjid which I could have got, I didn't get. Right? And that's by question of five minutes. Now, obviously, if my house is on fire, I'm going to put out, put out the fire or something, that's a different issue. But other than that, what is such a great emergency that takes me away from Salah by Jama'ah that I leave that and I go away somewhere? Right? Now I'm giving this as an example because throughout our lives we will be faced with these choices. There will be one and the other. What will we choose? It's as simple as that. I'm in business, I'm here, I'm there, I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to my friend, there's an option. I speak about something which is either prohibited or it is at least doubtful. Or maybe it is neither prohibited nor doubtful. It is something which has neither good nor bad in it, right? But still it takes some energy, it takes some time and so on and so forth. At the end of that, if I say, what did I get out of this time and energy? Zero. Okay, I did not get a sin because I wasn't talking some ghibat or something. But also I didn't get anything beneficial. And for the same time and energy, I had the choice to do something which would have shown up in my book of records, which would be beneficial. What do I choose? So the question always to ask yourself is this, to say that if I die now, what do I take with me? So Alhamdulillah, if we die now, we take this Salatul Isha, which we prayed by Jama'ah with us, inshallah, Alhamdulillah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept this and to reward us for this. This is inshallah in our accounts. Nobody can take this away from us. Alhamdulillah. Right? And then if we pray Salatul Fajr also by Jama'ah, then we have the, not only the two Salawat by Jama'ah, but we also have the reward of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all night. Because this is what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us. Pray Salah Isha by Jama'ah and Allah gives you the reward for half the year, half the night and pray Salatul Fajr and you get the reward for the other half of the night. Right? So just these thoughts. Now, to come to the story of Abdullah bin Hudafa Sahmi, he was, as I mentioned in yesterday's Khatira, um, he was the man who Rasulullah sent to 
uh, as his qasid, as his messenger with his letter to the king of Persia. And this was the Sasanian, the first Persian empire and the king was Khusro Parvez, the emperor of Persia. Now, that whole story yesterday I mentioned, so I'm not going to repeat that, but he had, uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Hudhafa had this unique uh, opportunity and unique distinction of having met personally the two biggest rulers of the time. One was Khusro Parvez and the other one was Heraclius, the Byzantine uh, emperor. Now, how the Heraclius thing happened was, it happened in the time of the Khilafah of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab So, almost 20 years after, uh, or not 20 years, but maybe 15 years or so after the meeting with Khusro Parvez. And the way that happened was that uh, Abdullah ibn Hudhafa and some other Muslims with them, they got captured by the Romans. There was a Byzantine, uh, you know, they used to raid. So, in that Byzantine raid, they got captured. So, when they were produced before Heraclius, the somebody told him, they said, look, these are the uh, Sahaba, these are the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is not everybody, but there are in this are the companions. And uh, they said, these are people with very special powers and very special uh, position and so on and so on. And, you know, if they make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listens to their dua and so on. These are all Christian guys. The, the, the Byzantine Empire was a Christian empire at that time. But they told him, the, the Sahaba were famous everywhere. So they told him the story. So, Heraclius said, well, the best thing to do is to convert them all to Christianity. Then we are, then we have them. He said, who is the leader of this? He said, Abdullah ibn Hudhafa. So he, he called him and he said to Abdullah ibn Hudhafa, he said, name your price, whatever you want. Right, I will weigh you in gold, I'll give you whatever you like. I'll give you lands, I'll give you honor, I'll make you a noble in my court, I, you know, anything. If you want women, we'll line them up for you. And you know, the most beautiful women in, Byzant in Byzantium, take your pick, as many as you want. Whatever you like, right? Anything. Just leave Islam and accept Christianity. <coughs> Abdullah ibn Huzafar laughed and he said, there is nothing that you can give me. There is nothing on the face of the earth that you can give me which will make me change my religion, which will make me leave Islam. So Heraclius said, okay, so this one, this method doesn't work, we try another method. So his method was, he called them and he said, bring a, a vat and fill it with oil and light a fire under it. When the oil was burning and boiling oil, he brought one of the other Muslims who was captured with Abdullah ibn Hudhafa. He knew that Abdullah ibn Hudhafa, you know, seeing somebody else, one of your companions, something happening is, is much more painful than, you know, bearing it yourself. So he said, call the man. They brought him and they took off his clothes and he said, throw him into the oil. And they threw him into the oil live man right so obviously he is instantly fried and his bones the flesh got separated from the bones and you know imagine what a utterly horrible scene you know sometimes when i 
and this is not the only incident i mean i i read history as that's my subject and i love reading history and when i read some of the things that the, that those kings and uh, princes and so on used to do i mean those people had power today we think today our world leaders they think they have power uh, they, they, today it's like a joke nobody's got that kind of power those people had real power in the raw sense right and they could literally do this i mean take firaun for example i mean firaun gave this order to say kill the boys of bani israel and they say 70000 infants were slaughtered can you believe it he did it right nobody to ask he, nobody to ask him any question nobody said how can you do that you know what about human rights no nothing nothing i if i want to do it i can do it i can kill a million people no problem Julius Caesar in his Gaul campaign in one day they slaughtered 100,000 Gauls and Julius Caesar said this is a good day and if you think that is uh, that 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 is you know big then Genghis Khan who was nothing to do with Islam believe me it's just the Khan is the is the title of the, of the ruler Genghis Khan when he uh, conquered Samarkand in one day they killed one and a half million muslims one day men women and children one and a half million muslims remember remember they are not using machine guns they, this is a swords stroke by stroke by stroke one and a half million muslims in one day those people had power so to come back to the story here one person gone then he said bring one more they brought one more he threw him inside the in the water again that second person gone now abdullah bin huzaifa radhiyallahu anhu is watching this then heraclius said now throw him inside so as they were taking him abdullah bin huzaifa radhiyallahu anhu's eyes filled up with tears so he said hold on hold on he called him he said why are you crying you are afraid abdullah bin huzaifa radhiyallahu anhu said i am not afraid he said i am crying because I have only one life and that will go now. He said I'm crying because I wish I had as many lives as the hair on my body. And all of them one after the other would have gone like this in this oil for the sake of Islam. It's unfortunately I don't I have only one life. Heraclius was absolutely astounded. He said leave him. Then he said to him, "I have only one request." Now imagine from where he is coming. He is from ordering and killing. And he says, "I have one request." He said, "My request is, will you kiss me on my forehead?" You know, among the Arabs, the 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 the, the way of expect of expressing respect for somebody is you kiss them on the head, right? So he said, "Will you kiss me on my head?" Sabdullah bin Rabi'ah said, "What will you if I do? What will you do?" what is your you know for what he said i will release you and i we said what about my all my friends he said i'll release all of them we will free all of you and you can live here in safety so abdullah bin mudafar radhiyallahu thought so okay for the sake of all the lives of these people this is what doing so he kissed him on this for it and this man left everybody they all came back to madina when they came to madina Umar bin Al-Khattab radhiyallahu is the khalifa and Abdullah bin Hudhafa radhiyallahu went to the khalifa and he said to Umar bin Mu'minin this is what happened this is the whole story 
When Umar bin al-Khattab heard the story, he said, allow me to kiss your head. He said, allow me to kiss your head. And he said to all the people, if there is one man who deserves to be honored by kissing his head, here is the man. And all the people, whoever was there, they all kissed Abdullah bin Hudafa of the Allah on his head. And these are the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallam. The purpose of these stories is so that we try to inculcate some things in ourselves. I know we can never become like the Sahaba. But some things. So like a story like this, what, do we, what is our takeaway from this? Our takeaway from this is that we must not allow anything to compromise our Islam. Nobody is boiling us in oil, nobody is cutting our throats, nobody is chopping us to pieces. Huh? What is our challenge? Our challenge is earn halal, eat halal. May Allah protect us. One chicken is enough to defeat us. One chicken, one time. Yeah? Eating doubtful chickens. For, for what? What will happen? You will die if you don't eat a chicken that time. I mean, eat chicken until you can, until you start laying eggs for all I care. You. But make sure, I mean, make sure that the thing is properly zabiha so that there is no doubt. This is, this is the state, I mean, may Allah protect, protect us. This is the state of our iman. One chicken will defeat us. Seriously, we have to, because remember, the Sahaba of Rasulullah are the, are the gold standard. They are the standard against which the rest of the Ummah will be measured. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. Right? We ask Allah to protect us. Because if we are measured on, against that standard, I'm talking about myself, what will I say? What will I say? So the idea of all these things is inshallah that they inspire us and that we try to live our lives in a way which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in keeping with the sunnah of his Habib and his Khalil Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam.